Welcome back to Pack Your Mics, the Top Chef podcast from the creators of Read It and Weep. Today we are talking about Season 19, Top Chef Houston, Episode 9, titled Friedman's Town. I'm your host, Alex, recording today from my childhood bedroom in Reno, Nevada. And I am I am alone here. Megan is off on uh, her own unrelated adventure. So it's just me holding down this fort. But I'm joined in Northern California by Ezra and Sarah. Hey, guys. Hello. Hello. You've got pastries, but no Caleb. Correct. Yeah, he's he's got pastries too. And okay, no well, everybody at home wants to know that he's doing okay because he was uh, popular in the uh, inbox. We will we will tell him he's Every, doing great. Maybe if we want to bring him in for the um for 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 for, for the mailbag or something, that, if we can pry him away from Magic School Bus. Excellent. <laughs> uh, he's always welcome. Um, also joining us today from Brooklyn, New York, in a pile of blankets, it's Chris. Hey, hey, from my adulthood living room. Good to be here. <laughs> and rounding out the panel in lovely Burbank, California, it's new Sarah and Kyle. Hey, guys. Coming in hot from the floor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you guys are uh, there. For those of you at home, they're they're forming two corners of a baby uh, corral. Yeah, we bodies. are a baby fence today. <laughs> um, baby, baby fence, I loved, man, I loved our baby fence. I felt like an emotional bond with our baby fence, and I was so sad when we couldn't use it anymore. Like our actual baby fence, not our human baby fence. <laughs> it does sound like a person who sells stolen babies. Okay. Uh, I mean, it moves them. Oh, <laughs> sells. It's, it's a little... Should we call in Dewanda DeWise about how that compares? <laughs> do, 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 do a dinosaur fence? A dinosaur fence versus a baby fence. Um, this week, before we start on talking about the episode, Kyle yes. has an apology to issue. I have an apology to issue to Ashley Shanti and the city of Asheville, North Carolina. I uh, misheard or misinterpreted what she said about how she doesn't feel like she has a place in Asheville's food scene. And I said that, oh, Asheville doesn't have much of a food scene. I am dumb. Uh, <laughs> I have not lived in North Carolina for m- more than a dozen years. So do not trust uh, my uh, assessment of current North Carolina food. And, and uh, you were corrected in this by no less of an authority than Mr. James Beard. Yes, James Beard came to me in a dream and said, <laughs> look out, because I'm about to drop some knowledge on you. And I, I looked at the James Beard Award finalists for this year, and uh, there's a restaurant for best restaurant. There is a best, uh, um, oh, uh, the restaurateur. Yeah, chef. Uh, best hospitality, best chef, uh, Southeast, and also best emerging chef nationwide is uh, chef all in Asheville. In Asheville. Like, so like wow. they, the Asheville is very well represented. There's oh, a, so that sounds kind of like a food scene to me. Yeah, th- there's a food scene in Asheville and I'm dumb and don't know <laughs> crap about that state. I, I will I will have opinions all day long about barbecue. But uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know shit about Asheville. Okay. Well, good it to sounds know. like Ashley is about to find her place then. In yeah. the food scene. And also, I was wrong. She doesn't have a restaurant. She has a pop-up uh, organization. Like her Good Hot Fish is a pop-up that is sporadic, and that is it. it she was one hundred percent. I, I I shouldn't be correcting her to say like she doesn't have her <laughs> ability to fit in when like she's make, doing pop-ups instead of she's having like it. a restaurant yeah. in a. She's doing it with low overhead. Scene. Yeah. Um, so. It helps us figure out then it takes around maybe a dozen years for a food scene to pop up, I guess, and 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 sure. and, and oh, yeah. beard dumb. Uh yep. so then yeah, really basically wherever you think you know about food will be completely <laughs> wrong within a dozen years or so. I think that is true. 
um, in, especially in the restaurant business. But probably if you leave a town for 12 years, you're going to miss a lot. Yes. And I never lived in that town in the first place. I just visited every, <laughs> every, I, left, so. I was never there. <laughs> well, so, the, uh, I want to tag onto that Kyle's, uh, apology with an anti-apology, um, which is that huh. when people were complaining about the Bravo app, I didn't have enough experience to a- agree with you thoroughly enough. And yesterday ah. we tried to use the Bravo app and, uh, Boy, what a flaming piece of crap that is. What a oh, terrible, yeah. terrible experience. For the it's, episode it's not only or horrible, just LCK? But for the ep- well, we actually, just for the episode, which was, we try, my parents were trying to log in to watch it, and they have a cable subscription, and it pops up a login, and then you log in, and then it get, just gives you, please enter your password, and it doesn't tell you for what, from what service, where it is, it's just a box, and then the episode doesn't work anyway. All of the passwords. <laughs> We saw the "oops, something went wrong" screen nine times in a half hour, and then gave up. Uh, it's a really poorly constructed app. Yeah, it's bad. Not only that, it crashes all the time for no reason. Like you'll yes. launch it, and then you'll just get a blank screen. Uh, this is actually true for all the NBC Universal apps. So, like the NBC app does the same thing. It's it's the same uh, code base, near as I can tell. Oh, interesting. And so, uh, Wait, what about what about everybody's favorite streaming app, Peacock? Uh the I don't know. Nobody watches it. But <laughs> I, I am a paid Peacock premium subscriber, and I almost never use it because they make you pay for it for sports, and then they're like, oh, actually, your team's not playing this year. Alex, you're yeah. a bona fide cockhead? What are you saying? <laughs> uh, hey, family show. Hey. She's it's, a cocksman. It's, it's a posture. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Coxman? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm experienced. Coxman? Uh, Premier, yeah, Premier Coxon. Um, anyway, so screw the app. Okay, let's yeah. jump into the episode. Uh, by the way, sorry, just before we do, uh, James yes. Beard, uh, both Kevin and Sheldon are finalists for uh, oh, James that's Beard. awesome. And that's right, uh, right? Sheldon and for tubes. Tin Roof. Oh, yeah, oh, and Toops, <gasps> and Toops as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so uh, I missed that one on the list, but yeah, uh, best chef uh, for Northwest and Hawaii is uh, Sheldon's a finalist. Mm-hmm. Toops, I think, is is it Midwest or mid? Uh, to do not his, his region uh south and then uh kevin is up for best uh hospitality okay. best restaurant tour that's actually or best restaurant tour. than I'm hospitality sorry. because that's I, like I keep yeah the, sorry the yeah. empire builders that's that's yeah <laughs> wait, that's, that's the money money wait price. so wait sheldon sorry sheldon northwest is where he's qualifying for they they loop uh, uh alaska and hawaii in the corner of the map with the northwest i'm just gonna say because like we went to uh when we were in hawaii went to the southernmost bakery in the united states it is like it is more south than like a good chunk of mexico basically you're real yes. you're i don't know then that's very and that was normal. best bakery northwest as i don't understand why this is hard for you it's, it's bundled together as pacific and northwest not pacific yeah. northwest. that's fine is there if there's an extra word that changes well, but also Ezra, what happens if you go as far south as possible oh man oh man you do eventually end up in the north no, no, you right fall, you fall off you fall off the ladder. I think if you go, <laughs> keep, if you keep going south far enough, you just wind up at the meridian, and then you start going north again. Like if you go south, you're still south on the bottom, and then you reach the side, and then you're going north again. All right, guys, it'll take a while. Research, but I'll be back in a little bit. I'm gonna figure <laughs> this out. We're gonna go find Best Chef Ice Shelf 2022. It's a big nominee. Um, all right, let's talk about episode Sorry. nine now. Yep. We're here to talk about Top Chef. Sorry about that. Uh, we are, well, no, I really appreciate you mentioning that, actually, because I had not read the the nominees. And I 
Um, I don't know if this is a weird kind of bias to have, but I really like when my TV chefs are still good at chefing in the real world and not full-time TV chefs. Sure. There's one more top Uh, chef who's in Best uh, Restaurant, and that's Parachute in uh, Chicago, uh, Chef Beverly Kim uh, from Top Chef Texas. Oh, Beverly. Possibly my favorite restaurant I've ever been to. Oh, nice. oh, that's wow. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, was... Gregory's up for a cookbook. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Did you, maybe I missed this. Um, I'm assuming we got nominated for best podcast. Did that happen? I uh, scroll way down. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think we're up for a beardy or two. In the comments. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, we're, it's weird because we're technically best podcast Northeast. I don't know how we did it. All right. Um, now on to the episode. So, first, the quick fire. It is a, it's the last immunity of the year. And if you want it, you're going to have to earn it with vegetables. It's the annual challenge where Megan, Nusera, and I all experience what it's like for the rest of you to watch the show and think, I'd eat that. <laughs> On the flip side, zero cow pokes in this quick fire posse. This is. Uh, they have enough is... cow pokes in this episode to do a Oh, yeah, cow yeah. Poke we'll get to that. Fire. Is there. But, but they skipped the cow pokes on the quick fire. This is all. Um, ranch hands? I don't know. Farm hands? Is that there... is exactly what a cow poke is, Alex. Whoa, a ranch hand, but not a far- what, what's a um, a tree waterer? No, anyway, I think whatever a, they're oh, doing, it's like farmhand. I think would be for the irrigation crops, system, and ranch oh, yeah. hand is for the yes. the, the, the cows, the, the livestock, the yeah. steeds. Yes, okay, I, good, I was saying, good. Yeah, okay. So this is zero cow pokes, but plenty of farmhands in this posse. Uh, the twist, though, on the challenge this year is that each chef must focus their dish on one color, as chosen by the all-knowing knife block: red, orange, purple, yellow, green, black, and white. Which Raises a question. There were some grumblings from basically every different color. Is there a color that you would prefer to cook or eat from that list? Ooh. Green and orange both looked really bomb. And that's, yeah. those are, I think, the color schemes. I was thinking about this actually. I think that's the color of produce we most often buy we as have, a household is stuff in those yeah. two families. Green, green and orange, for sure. Orange snacks, sometimes we pack for the kids for sure, where it's like, it just, <laughs> It's, it's just carrots, it's carrots, peppers, yeah, and uh, goldfish crackers, yeah, yeah and cheddar bunnies, yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Cheddar bunnies. <laughs> yeah. This is a, a great vegetable. I think as casual cooks, green is yeah, green's the most yeah, common, I the think. most common. But looking at this, like I think purple gives you the fun thing of like you get to have all the same flavors of carrots and cauliflower. It just looks great, looks cool. So you get the nightshades in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved there. this kill challenge. You. I, I loved the color thing. I know that wasn't, it's it's just another thing to put on top of it, but I really loved it. My only complaint was that they didn't present things in rainbow order. <laughs> oh, that would have been Where very satisfying. Where do you put black and white in your rainbow order, though? I would put that one at the top and one at the end just to, like, bookend it. That would, that that would appeal smart. to my sense of symmetry. But I, I hadn't been annoyed by that, and now I'm super annoyed. Why did they not right? read you of this? I know there wasn't mm. blue, and I understand why there wasn't blue, because that would be just too difficult with non-fruit tricky. options. But, like... Yeah. Man, why wasn't it in order? Yeah, there's not a lot of blue food out there. No, they, that is, look, uh, it's, just, it's all Skittles and M&Ms. Exactly. It's a Skittles challenge. Um, I I will say, since you love you love the color, which I also enjoyed the color, but we did, um, and obviously they never have done this before. They would never uh, have done it, of course. We There's no way. Um, uh, except Meredith, the Keeper of the Memories, wrote in to say, did the elves think we wouldn't remember? Mm-hmm. And then a screen grab of, grab of season two, episode nine. This week, uh, the chefs must put their creative minds to the test for the quick fire challenge and use one of seven colors of the rainbow to create a color themed three item dish. 
And also, um, so, that was where uh, the chef who got kicked off for shaving Marcel was colorblind. So he had to cook with a color that he couldn't see. Oh. Cliff? Cliff. I, went, I wow. thought it was Cliff. But like, okay, good memory. Yeah. Yeah. My memory is bad. I forgot that there was a season two. I never yeah, when Meredith two. said, did yeah. you think we wouldn't remember? Like, yeah, that's a good bet. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely did that. not remember that. Also, can, can we just say the chefs are a lot better at chefs? Than, it's a very different show, yeah. season two. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, oh, that, that reminds me. Oh, we, we I watched one episode of uh, Rat in the Kitchen last night. Oh, yeah? Since you guys had talked about Ooh, brought yeah. it up did catch last week. Did you love it? They did not catch the rat. The rat won. Um, but so here's the thing. It's like each dish that is bad, the rat gets money. And each dish that is good, the team gets money. And so the rat, but the the quality of booking is so low that the rat doesn't have to ruin the dishes. They'll mostly not pass anyway. Oh, <laughs> like, this is great. They're just like <laughs> fresh out of culinary school. Maybe they've worked in like a Marriott omelet station. They're oh. just like not professional uh, chefs. It's like this the is, Hell's Kitchen so, casting pool. Yeah. Like step a, below a Hell's Kitchen. Chef. Yeah, it's yeah. like TBS's like awareness. It's what of, TBS could get. Yeah. yeah. So there's definitely some home cooks. So just like some of the dishes failed for no reason, just because they didn't know how to cook chicken well enough. No, and I, the rat didn't have to I ruin love it. This. this is why I like being on defense in like five football, because like gravity is on your side, basically already where it's it's like most true. balls yeah. go down, right? Without, right. you know, like it just happens. So you got also running is unpleasant. So people want to yeah, stop the sidelines on your side. You got a lot of advantages as a <laughs> yeah, defender. <that> helps. <laughs> That's so true. Okay. Anyway, uh, back to the color challenge. Um, let's see the, uh, Oh, one of the things that people pointed out though, that I think I hadn't really considered is that a lot of the fruit and veg that we see is only colorful on the outside. Like lemons aren't going to give you a lot of yellow in your dish. They're going to taste great. And we appreciate yeah, them sponsoring oh, the season of our show. Checks. But, um, also like eggplants, you know, they're going to give you a lot of darkness on the outside, but a, a lot of vegetables are pretty white on the inside. It turns out. Yeah, that's true. But you can use peels and rinds and you can use, you know, other other parts like it, it's not that it's going to be inside only. Right. Well, that's one reason I was actually thinking also because you get cooking helps. So like black and yellow are both like golden yellow, I guess, are both like cooked colors, whereas making a dish white that is cooked is all is kind of tricky. Um, that was an interesting challenge is like we want you to color this without we want you to cook this without ever accidentally caramelizing it and making it delicious. Yeah. Step one, spill a bag of flour over all your ingredients. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, boil this in milk. Uh, make uh, something anyway. powdered sugar. Like it's a, it's a powdered oh. mushroom. Oh. Powdered sugar mushroom. I do <laughs> wonder if it was mushrooms. Like... That's like, that's what they <laughs> present. Uh, all right. Moving along. <laughs> Bad news. Anything, but here's some cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Based, guys this is fine <laughs> it's from a leaf the bad news is that ashley's yellow dish of curried vegetables and freeze-dried peaches the pattern referred to as crunchy bits officially establishing the phrase of the day that every judge thought that if they said it would get them uh, money um usually crunchy bits are good in this case no ashley's terrific run of form comes to it uh, an end and also on the bottom nick's orange Leaving sort of the, the those warm yellow orange color are those warm colors anyway the yellow orange grouping on the bottom Nick's orange fried rice with kumquat and peach hot sauce, which means two dishes sabotaged by peaches today maybe peaches the rat in, rat in the kitchen today <laughs> peaches got money for this <laughs> yeah that corner of the color wheel just doesn't roll today um also but on top Buddha's sparkling white cauliflower and cheese and Evelyn's black dome of eggplant bean soup 
And uh, the win goes to Demar's broccoli steak with harissa, so green, uh, and also the avocado puree. I wanted to and, eat uh, that so bad. <laughs> it yeah, looked so well, good. I, I yeah. mean, you know, my main my main feeling, Sarah, I'd eat that. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> no, uh, I don't get to say it very often, and I got to say it a lot today. I also love I, that, uh, like, Demar was so good that he's, uh, like, the dish was so good that he said, I'm going to put red harissa on this. There's going to be red here, and you're not going to care because it just tastes good. Yeah, I mean, th- this is a great scene. I mean, the uh, the the broccoli steaks with harissa sounds so delicious. Mm-hmm. But the um, the thing that Champagne Padma couldn't stop raving about was the avocado puree. She was she was just roiling thinking about. It. She was so happy. She was having a great else? morning. Yeah, <laughs> and she. By that. I liked her outfit. You know, she was just having a good day. <laughs> well, she was excited for the first quick fire of the season that wasn't going to give her profound indigestion. <laughs> Wait, Sarah, what were you surprised by? That she lo- that anyone loved the avocado puree. I thought that sounded terrible. I love avocado, mm. don't get me wrong, but avocado puree on the bottom of a warm broccoli dish? Mm, I don't know. It's like a sauce. Um, it just makes it even more of a sauce. Uh, yeah. so like it, it's it's using it in a different way. Uh, I guess I was thinking of it as like sort of a warm crema, like an avocado crema. Is that? I'm sure I would have loved it. Different? It just I was I just was shocked. Yeah, it didn't sound good. Well, we we did just have this warm avocado puree under a mu- sword full of mushrooms the other day at a restaurant that Kyle and Sarah recommended. So I'm I'm feeling very positive mm. about this right now. It did seem like the. Am I wrong to say that she seemed a little? I mean, maybe she was just happy to not be eating 42 steaks, but Padma was like, she was a little goofball this morning. <laughs> I think you're allowed to be a goofball without blaming it on alcohol, you know? I well, think it, it was the personality similar to Champagne okay. Padma okay. is what I mean. Not that she's necessarily um, uh, started yeah. on the trilotto early I, today. I, I, like, I just mean. I, I I see her goofiness in line with uh, LCK Tom where there's just a looseness, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, who knows? I mean, I'm pr- she also could be sleepy Padma for all I know. But um, she was just, she did just seem noticeably more like, Welcome to the party, Luke. Maybe she was yeah. just excited because she knew this was a fun quick fire that, yeah, would not give her tummy issues. And didn't require any spawn con. Yeah, no spawn con. They're past the Jurassic World obligation. And she knew that this was yeah. going to be a really cool elimination. Maybe she was excited about the elimination and the cool guests they yeah. had, too. Am I remembering That's- this correctly that she actually eats mostly vegetarian when she's not on the show? Is that right? I believe that is yeah. true as well. That was my my memory. Um, in her book? Yeah. And yeah, you guys read her book. I didn't. So. That's it. what she is like, at least the, the stuff that she cooks and shares on like Instagram and stuff is mostly plant-based too. Yeah. Yeah. So she's having, uh, her tum-tum might be having a, a tough ride through Texas. <laughs> There's been a lot of like, we have given you 89 ounces of of smoked meat. Have, Good luck. Have we ever covered the her, her sorry, uh, cranberry Drano uh, like, like thing that she does? Not to recent memory, so why don't you tell us and our audience? This is from the book. Yeah, as please. Well. Yeah. Okay. So she has like a I don't know, getting her like digestive tract in like fighting shape, uh, kind of like thing that she does. And I know it's like I don't remember well, it just it's I think it's like heavily like a lot of fibrous like 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 a mm-hmm. uh and like also cranberry juice and I don't remember what else. Oh it's yeah, I don't remember either. It's a really intense sounding drink that clears her out. And that's I will say if I was going to describe this, a cleanse has its own set of like baggage, but sounds still more appealing than Drano. Sure, well, I'd rather She's a have. <laughs> I'd rather have the the clinical sounding term than the 
I don't know, harmful diet industrial. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. yeah I, I don't know, man. Uh, what would you like? Would you like a, like a pipe snake instead? Is that better? <laughs> Cranberry pipe snake. <laughs> no, that sounds bad. <laughs> All right. I'll, it does I'll workshop sound, it, but lovely red, red color, which would be useful, but cranberry pipe snake is horrifying um jesus uh also i gotta say although not on the top or the bottom we have to mention that uh luke earned the season's first honorable mention a thing that is not a thing um which uh which puts it we have to add a whole other column to the spreadsheet of who's gotten honorable mentions this year which is luke one everyone else zero because padma welcomes him to the party for finally cooking food that she enjoyed not a top but he was real great about it this has never happened on the show before where like they were just so brutal to one chef testant for the entire season that they felt that they had to like just kind of double back like you do belong here luke this isn't an accident (laughs) And that's when he cooked something in the middle. That's for being in the middle. Was like, you really belong here, fourth place. I wonder if the like casting people were like, oh no, did we mess up with this one? Since he had kind of an unconventional path to getting on the show too. Yeah, but I, I mean, we have I have so much to uh, say about him towards the end of the show yeah, too. I'll, I'll but I do it. feel like, yeah, I, I I did feel like probably some people there were have been surprised at how it's gone, and also he is clearly more talented than his dishes have suggested oh, and so i can see but this one did look like everyone a good there was like rooting like he, he made yeah, yeah yeah i i'd eat that <laughs> yes okay well <laughs> i mean really i i have to say i know we don't i don't like to talk about it too much on the show because it does seem sort of off-putting um but boy it is nice to see food that lo- looks like my food i don't know uh looks like i could eat it even even ashley's terrible curly curried vegetables that look like scrambled eggs i was like i'd try that in a heartbeat that sounds great it's very exciting uh, and luke was working with purple and he had a like it's just a what a vibrant cool looking yeah. dish too yeah he used the purple potatoes to get a lot of color in there the purple potato puree looks wild and muppety yeah, yeah I love my example food to, dish. To, to be a muppet muppets are not plant-based <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you think it's made of I, it's, I mean maybe it's synthetic dreams but yeah they're yeah, not made of me right <laughs> Dreams. <laughs> They're made out of and dreams, chaos. which are largely plant-based. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say that the uh, the purple dish, Luke's work on that with the uh, pota- purple potato puree was a great example of using a food that is white on the inside, but the color on the outside to sort of generate more of a color there than... Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not sure what the science of this is and how you have to prepare it to make the skin really color the dish, but it worked really well. It was just gorgeous. Oh, oh, this is like the Japanese purple potatoes that, that are like white on the inside. Is that the one? Because there's also sure? potatoes that are straight purple on the inside as well. Mm-hmm. Could be like purple yeah. fingerlings. From looking at the photo mm-hmm. of the dish, and, and you know, I, I have no memory of anything anymore, but uh, it looks like they're white <laughs> on the inside. Oh, so. All right. Wow. Yeah. And he I think he was the one who was talking about stuff being white on the inside because he uh, that could have been somebody else. That was I Evelyn, remember. I think. With oh, great. Black. Evelyn, because she also was looking at eggplant, but that was for black. But she also made color. a black soup within 30 minutes that made the top. What? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She's crazy. Too. She's a <laughs> it's, that's she's a amazing. Yeah. Um, I do. I was a little surprised that she was. She seemed upset about black as a color. And I was expecting because there's so much like charred things and a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, activated charcoal people love a black food now that's like one of the hip things to do yeah but um, does it taste not good her style, like, I guess. how many black foods are like 
tasty and not cool. <laughs> well, I've never tried the cool ones, so I assume that they're all tasty. Otherwise, why are they cool? Yeah. Do they yeah. smoke or sling? It's also about where your mind goes <laughs> within the, uh, you know, within that, like, two minutes you have to think of a dish. And mm-hmm. so if right, right. headspace isn't there, like, it's it's hard. Yeah. It was interesting because I also heard, I mentioned that it was a dome, but she it was black bean soup. And it was soup, but it it did it it formed it formed a beautiful dome in that bowl. So it was an interesting I soup think texture. That's as an well. optical illusion to you. I think it's just a soup and a bowl, and because of the like black arc and like a very round huh. bowl. Could could the bowl? I don't know. I think this was a pretty has thick a, soup. Could the, could the bowl instead of being like a, a scoop bowl could be like a the other direction bowl where like it has like a sure a, a stalagmite? It bowl? was a pretty. <laughs> It's definitely a very thick soup. It, I, I get that it's. I, I get what you're saying, but it's not like a a, a a tort or like something that's like bulging up. It's just a little. I will also say, although she definitely uh, like clearly this was a very tasty dish. It is not the most appealing of these dishes because like the, it's black, but it's actually like mostly like a tan brown color, and black beans pureed do not look exactly appetizing. So. Hers was like not the most beautiful plate, which makes it even more impressive that it finished on the top. Yeah. Also, I want more thick bulging soups. I think in my life, I think that's the next. <laughs> that's that's where this food thing's going. Oh, just a throbbing soup. To describe it that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are we not doing phrasing anymore. Wow. You guys. Yeah. <laughs> you guys. All right. Well, we have a, We're having a morning today. Um, just like Padma. <laughs> just like Padma. I have not had. Welcome any to the long. party, bulge. <laughs> Campaign. Pack your mics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see. Any, any last thoughts on the quick fire before we move along? Good time had by all. Yeah. Keep it moving. Um, oh, I didn't. I also didn't mention that we had uh, uh, Naisha Arrington back. Oh, yeah. Um, chef from Top Chef 9, Texas, uh, 11th place finisher, and also who was in Top Chef Duels and lost to Jen Carroll. Yeah. Uh, so great to see her. Remember that? Uh, fun presence in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. I did not remember her Top Chef Duels outcome. Um, Although I, I actually like kind of surprised when I was re- going back and rereading some stuff about it for just to remember where she was, that it's surprising to me that Duels has not done more because it just asks so much less of a time commitment of all the chefs. It seems like you could get anybody you wanted in the world to come to L.A. for an afternoon versus for six weeks. So I'm surprised they didn't keep rolling with that. But I mean, it's not like you get what's the honors from it. You know, it's like what what's. Like you beat one person or you lose lose to one person, it's not like you don't get you don't get like that uh, you know that Perrier money or anything, San Pellegrino money. I think there was didn't wasn't there a a winner overall? It wasn't just one on. It was like didn't the winners face the winners? Am I uh, maybe missing? I can't remember. I forgot. Might have been a bracket. I think yeah. there was Perrier money. Anyway, let's move on instead of just guessing about the past stuff that we could Google. Let's go on to the elimination challenge today. The chefs are catering a block party and a fundraiser to celebrate Juneteenth. Um, And just like when they pretend that it's Thanksgiving in June, they're pretending it's Juneteenth in November. Um, And they're doing it at a church in Freedmanstown, which is a community in Houston of formerly enslaved people following the Juneteenth um, order. Texas General Order number three that actually did the work that the Emancipation Proclamation began. They, they have to prepare a hundred tasting portions of soul food, but as in your soul, not necessarily the soul food, soul food. Um, Don is back to judge as well as Kwame, who is wearing the infinity gauntlet on his left hand. Dude, that was so freaking pretty cool. cool. 
Kwame looks so good <laughs> with that stripe on his outfit and that like glove. My, oh man, my mom dude. was my parents were taken taken aback by the one glove, and I was trying to explain that when your one glove is that much glove, you're not allowed to have a second. glove. Yeah, it's like oh, a double it was, the glove. that would be too much. I couldn't glove. eat. You know, it's yeah. like a watch. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a watch is like eat is trying to eat the exactly. rest of your hand. <laughs> I want this from it's it's gold and it's covered in it had uh, charms. It had a lot of ch- like different. It was like a charm bracelet on the back of his hand. It was a Can lot we of do this with more things we have usually two of, like socks? You just hit the one strong sock, basically. Got a thick right sock. <laughs> yeah. Wait, a or thick a really right gaudy sock. left boot. You'd have to do that with like Crocs too, though, so that the sock is really visible. Like oh, it's, the sock Croc. Yeah, the one sock oh, yeah. Croc. <laughs> there are also a lot of very cool sneakers now where you'll see there'll be like a intentionally like transparent stripes so that you can see the color of sock being oh worn. Oh gosh, really? I have not seen this. I have holes oh, yeah. in my this shoes. A, it's very a, easy to do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is a, a popular in the Yeezy line as well as some some Nikes have it. Um, that's not useful or interesting. Um, sometimes I bring up stuff and then regret it. Anyway, um, no thick socks, Ezra. We, we're not going to do it. Um, Can't try to stop me. It, th- this challenge, though, uh, the 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 challenge, the the, chef, the soul food challenge is so great across the board. Every chef does at least very good. And every chef gets their own cutscene that makes you cry. That's how they set up the episode. This, it was emotional from from beginning to end. And uh, just like, the, I guess I would just like, I don't want to like make too big of a deal out of being right about this. But when we were talking about how many chefs till you feel emotionally really invested, and I was guessing seven, this was the first episode where I was like, someone's going to be eliminated and I am bummed. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I hear you. I mean, I, I'd... I'd respectfully argue that by Restaurant Wars by eight, we were really invested with who was going home and we we felt strong feelings about Jackson. But here we really yes. get to see the chefs shine more and we see each one, ex, you know, excel, uh, you know, uh, for themselves and on their own merits. Even Luke, you know, uh, did, you know, exceeded himself or what he's done in the yeah. past here. So mm-hmm. uh, good going. You know. He continues to show up to the party. Uh, yeah. I mean, I would also add, though, that that's sort of like a if this works by seven, that's probably a sign that it's been a a pretty fair competition also to now as well, right? Where it's you don't have any like, oh, mm. you know, I'd be there's three people here at seven who 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 should not be here, right? Like um and, right. and three people That's right? totally so, true. Yeah. And that was true at eight too. Yeah. That there was there there's not like Oh, this is a home cook who just served fruit un unportioned for her quick fire. There's not that. So you're like, there's no one who were like, well, this is a TBS chef and should this go is home. The rat. This well, is that's like, also yeah. what Top Chef does. Like they, their casting has been great. Like they're the top of the chef game for a reason. That's what everyone like yeah. aspires to be. It's not like someone's like, man, I really hope I make it on Chopped. It's that you. This is. It is still an achievement. People hope they get on Chopped so they get recon- They get noticed by the actual casting people for the yeah. big shows. Uh, and it 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 shows they do a good job. Uh, it it kind of yeah. confirms yeah. Top Chef's place and everyone's. But I also especially hate seeing somebody get eliminated when the dish it when they. This is a just a a thing they always do on the show, and it gets me emotionally. Where they're like, "This is a dish where we want you to cook something that really matters to your family, to you. This is deep in your heart and your soul." And then we're going to tell one of you that your soul is not good enough. Yeah, and that it's hurts unfair. a little bit. The, the fact it, that when they, well, they do this yeah. so much too because we love these challenges because we love the way the food turns out, and it's their most consistent sort of like 
avenue to emotional success is saying like cook something yeah. that's close to you cook your soul cook your family cook your heart take your heart yeah. out of your chest and put it on a plate and when the chefs yeah. when they also often do this when it's like the last five to seven chefs they do it at this point yeah you don't get a soul until you're yeah, into if, the final if, seven if, if, for you, sure. if week three we don't care about your soul make queso yeah but <laughs> for this like it's it's down to the point where it's really good chefs they belong there and they're they're capable of like translating emotion into a plate uh so excuse me yeah i kind of think that would be amazing to like <laughs> cook your soul on the first episode and you just have like 15 chefs it would be tough because we have to see a scene about somebody whose relative recently passed for all 15 chefs that'd yeah. be a lot <laughs> it'd be a, a pack your hankies and stay <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh, yeah i I don't know. Actually, I wonder if I would feel as much if you cooked your soul on the first day, it would just I just wouldn't know enough to know how much that like to know much about your soul at that. Yeah. Point. Didn't we have one season of Top Chef where the opening challenge was, uh, you know, distill you down to an amuse bouche. And we were doing that like <laughs> I think we did. And and it was that like would be easier for some of us than for some others. Some were but. good, but it was just really hard. I mean, given the constraints of it, of a quick fire, given yeah. the constraints of that. And with seven Right, you have fifteen minutes to fit your soul onto a spoon. Yeah, That's no. about where it goes for me. Well that'd be well, the yeah, Moon Knight yeah, Egyptian gods challenge of like you you're you must balance <laughs> your entire entire soul into a dish that weighs equal to a feather. Yeah. <laughs> I get that reference now. We just started watching it. Hey, <laughs> is it good? I have not heard anything. I, good. I like this it. Isn't, that's not what this podcast is about. But it's okay. Okay. Pack your moons you. coming up next. <laughs> moon your nights. <laughs> I mean, moon night, the MCU hero who has knives that he just pulls out of his chest. Uh, he, he is a knife block. How can you not love this? He is a knife block. He is he a is knife block. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're right. Not that this show is about. We'll bring it back in. Um, Tom basically agreed with me that it was going to be impossible to send anybody home for this challenge after the first few dishes, but then he found stuff and seemed very pleased to send somebody home. I need to send somebody home. You know, we haven't had a, you know what, nobody's going home this week sort of thing in a while. I was wondering early on if that's what it was going to be. It felt like that was a possibility, and then then it very much wasn't, but... um, it, it did feel early on. It was like, oh, is the and from the previous two, it was like, oh, is this the day where they spend twelve hours in in judges' table and then they announce, actually, we're just going to not let Last Chance Kitchen back in and we'll keep you yeah. all, or you know, like uh, next week, three people are going home for a convoluted summer camp dish or you know, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Actually, that's it. That's the down. Anytime I always root for them to not send in somebody home, and then next week's like a brutal double quick fire elimination where you cook something in the van <laughs> and where you're going and send two people home. I do not home. think the juice is worth the squeeze there. I think you got to send somebody home. It's true. It's yeah. so true. Okay. So here's the good news. First up, Evelyn makes beet sope with crispy bits, and that rules. And then Demar makes hoe cakes with uh, crispy bits, and that also rules. Um, side note: uh, hoe cakes was my nickname in high school. Not not crispy Nick bits, huh? Makes nope interest that was not a thing yet and padma hadn't set it and established it as the game um nick makes salmon cake that rules and has crispy bits in it uh, but it was jay's flaked cod from her mama that rules the hardest and has the crispiest bits and so she gets her second elimination win of the season i'm sure i'm not the only one who noticed this right they said crispy bits a I, lot i only episode. noticed it with um 
Ashley's lack yeah, of Yeah, that's why bits. I was also, they want the crispy bits. Right. <laughs> yeah. It was so normalized to say crispy bits that they were like, where's the world? Like maybe that was the bottoms, you know, only because of the, them not giving the chefs texturally everything they wanted. Like Ashley didn't have the crispy bits and Luke was mm-hmm. shy with the mashed potatoes. Oh. No, he, he also, juicy. um, he has his, his fricador was fricadella. tight, yeah, actually, which uh, fr- fricadella was tight, which is not fatty enough. Not and not in the good tight. It was like bad. Fric- you don't want a tight fricadella. That's uncomfortable for everybody. Ezra and I have a very rich history with fricadella. I have to tell you, we have it Ooh, multiple dude? times a year. Yeah. What? What? Yeah, Please just, just, share me about your rich history. Um, and so it's it's um, I don't know. We oh. also have a, a very close friend from Denmark who, whenever we get together, makes them. And um, they are delicious. Yeah. And are they usually tight? I mean, no. I mean, like, so no. you're, 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 you'd usually okay. kind of like, they're kind of canal shaped, basically, right? So it's like, uh, uh, mm-hmm. um, so it's sort of, you're kind of shaping them, Tiny meat you're shaping, yeah, you're shaping them with spoons, basically. And you should not be packing them in. Um, and, you know, mm. co- cooking them like on a cast iron with like lots of butter. But yeah, it's, um, I mean, it, it, it's just, it's just a nice thing. It, it's part of like, um, yeah, it's traditional like all year round, but also you have it for um, the Danish uh, Ulefrokost, um, that like the the big Christmas lunch thing, and that's like one of the many things. It's just this is hearty, this is hearty, hearty stuff. Um, you do, I mean, they they can be richly, so I butter. like but, very butter, yeah, but you like it with so like you know there's um there's a red cabbage dish uh, roll call which you like, oh, yeah. is very acidic, and you like that would mm. kind of like cut some of the, the fattiness. Well, here's a question: well. as our fricadella experts, uh, did it seem like a good idea to try and use that medium as a way to do crispy meatloaf edges? Because that was one question Tom had brought up that it's normally like smothered in like gravy and sauce, so it's not something that you expect to be crispy all around like he had like Luke had done. Yeah. I mean, I totally get what Luke was thinking. Like, he has some Danish food experience and his mom made meatloaf. Oh, okay. Combine those two things. There's me. But yeah. I kind of agree. Like, you know, if I'm in the mood for fricadella, that's not necessarily going to mean I'll, I'll happily eat meatloaf. They're different things. Um, well, th- and this is one of this is why I was wondering about how what the texture of fricadella normally is because it seemed like during judges' table, they were like, you can't say meatloaf and then give me these. These are not meatloaf. And then someone else was like, but he did say fricadella and they are fricadella. And then it was like, by giving you two different yeah. descriptions, you're going to disappoint everybody once. Is he that should what have said these are fricadella. I made them Inspired because by. it reminds me of meatloaf, but this is not right. meatloaf. Yeah. yeah I, right. Do you think, well, so I, it did, they did, it seemed like it was probably still needed a little bit more fat, but also if he had been saying fricadella a bunch of times, I wonder if it would have been better for them if they were, it would have set their expectations differently. Cause it's meatloaf is just such a different, it's so much loafier, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's, it's a different thing. This is the food insight you tune in to pack your mics for <laughs> is whether meatloaf is loafier well, than also, fricadella. Yeah. Not enough ketchup. I wouldn't eat it. I'm a vegetarian. Not enough ketchup. No, I mean, Alex, I just go ahead. Kyle. I like the idea. Sorry. of really quickly of a portal of you like like a time portal for you like you get a little snippet of like you you know decades ahead as like you know uh you know uh you as a teenager in this room and just like like wait who's this old version of me talking about about loafs like why is this happening (laughs) what's going on (laughs) does he think this is making him famous (laughs) that's a little you know it's a little harsh but you're right i I, I, I don't think you're wrong love man come on I don't think you're wrong. I think this could be this is your breakout like you know opinion for sure. But I like the idea of that being that that's the one snippet from the future that you get, and you're trying to like make sense of that. <laughs> no, that would this would be a very confusing conversation if this 
call somehow got yes. routed over Zoom in yes. frequency past. two. Frequency um, like, style. Yes. <laughs> Kyle, what were you gonna say about fricadella? I don't think I had a fricadella. Or loaves. No, I was just talking about ketchup. I just wanted ketchup in my meatloaf. If you're gonna tell me oh. you're doing like something inspired by meatloaf and there's not a ketchup component, go home. Go to bed. Is there like a Danish tomato sauce that's like tomato condiment that's completely different that would really blow the doors off this? that's what I was going to say. That's actually very telling because I would never, ever think of putting ketchup on my fricadella. That would not go. But I put Mm -hmm. ketchup all over my meatloaf, so. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I... I mean, I, I do think this is a thing he should pursue, especially because it was the first good thing he cooked in Elimination Challenge. But also, it, their criticism was so minor and so, like, fixable that if he just made this dish again tomorrow, he might have this really cool, this is just the crispy parts of meatloaf. It's got a little bit of a Danish ketchup sauce. I I bet this is, like, a signature. Okay, I don't know if this is enough, but there is kind of, like, a... So, um, Danish tradition, like, there's hot dogs is a, a big part of, like, a Danish, like, street food. Um, and one of the things they do is they mm-hmm. do, like, the, mm-hmm. the crispy onions, which, uh, like, all over things. And, like, Ooh. you could just put that on top of it, and that'd be pretty good. That would go better than ketchup. I mean, crispy frizzled onions could go on most things, and I'd be happy. So, right? You just yeah. add in the crispy yeah, bits. Yeah, yeah. As a big lover of crispy bits, I think it's a perfect solution. Yeah. Also, I was just describing the good parts, and we skipped all of them to keep talking about the bad ones. But let's, let's get into the, the bad news here. The things that didn't rule as hard and didn't crisp as bitty. Um, Buddha's curry needed more heat yeah. and more crispy yeah. bits. Ashley's low country crab rice had crispy bits, but then it smothered in gravy, which caused the crispy bits to the lose their bits crispiness, now. which is like... Yeah, she called it boggy, boggy bits. rice or swampy rice. Was it something like that? Where in boggy. Her, her dad... That was like, yeah, how they talked about yeah. her mom's rice. Just, she likes making it boggy with lots of liquid. Yeah. Mm. Boggy is just not my first association with delicious food. That's... Uh, I don't know. That doesn't sound awesome to me. A whole bog of, of uh, a bog buffet. Bog, cranberries? Bog-tacular. Cranberries oh, yeah. are boggy. Yeah, for, oh, okay. You got me to yeah. say pipe. Whenever I need to, yeah, whenever I need to uh, pipe snake <laughs> yeah. myself, a, I do go to one cranberry pipe bog. snake. Yeah, the one, the one berry that isn't edible without sugar added to it. You Wait, know? Like, do you guys know about yeah. the cranberry harvesting process? Because I was way wrong. Um, I definitely uh, went to a ocean spray factory at one point as a child that's like one of my favorite traveling memories of the family because they had dancing cranberries that came into the room and explained how dance cranberries berries. were harvested Wait, were they people they were dressed berries. as berries dancing they, to explain or was it a cartoon yes of course what's no, the other option like you could have like a screen it's like the no, dancing no, they were DNA in the room jurassic park but like having no they were like oh they're that's genetic no, they were engineered like cranberry to, to be able to dance that was my that was my bet this is like one of those family memories where we'll mention the dancing cranberries. Anyway, yeah, the bog process, and then they flood it, and they walk around in their yeah. tall pants. I thought they were always flooded, uh, because when, when you see the commercials, they, like the ocean spray, like you know, commercials, it's just like they're always in the wet space. But like, no, they're dry, and then they just like right. they knock them and they float up to the top. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah, it's a it's a harvesting method, not that cranberries live <laughs> underwater all the time, because then they would be craisins. Oh no, that's the opposite. Yeah, they're super, they're super cranberries. But then no, I, I love it because if you're in the if you're in the bathtub too long, you get all raisiny. So yeah, right, you get. I think if you leave yeah. them in the water too long, they become cran melons because they they get bigger and just soak up oh, all that liquid. Wow, that'd be big. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, toxic. That's yeah, big. <laughs> all right, so uh, where was I? It was the oh the bogs, and then yeah, as we mentioned, Luke's fricadeller meatloaf uh, meatball was too much like a fricadeller, not enough like a meatloaf, and um, 
It had crispy bits on the edges, which they weren't expecting. Anyway, it turns out right as he was turning a corner on the show, there was somebody around that corner ready to hit them in the face of the frying pan like a cartoon. So Luke cut down in his prime, uh, unfortunately. But as he packs his knives, he goes on to give one of the most gracious exit interviews I've ever seen. And basically, I, I would like to hear your thoughts on this, but my my most overriding thought as he was leaving was like, I don't think I've ever misjudged somebody as hard as I did God's favorite chef at the beginning of the season. When he volunteered that he'd been at Noma for eight years, six months, and three days, I was like, wow, this this guy is going to be a lot. And he turns out maybe the sweetest human being we've ever had on the show on a great journey, uh, had some unfortunate turn turnarounds. And I just like really hope he finds himself and I would love to eat his food Absolutely. someday. Yeah. Anyway, he seems like he just wanted to learn. Yeah. He just wanted to learn. Absolutely. But Alex, I don't think that, you know, I, I wouldn't hold too much judgment for yourself on that because I think all of our judgments were about him as a chef and the cooking that we were seeing on the screen, which I think admittedly was not inspired for what we've seen from Luke this season. And, you know, none of it was, none it of, was a combination. It was, it was that introduction as a personality yeah. plus him not cooking well is a really bad right. combination. But I don't think, you know, other than the fact that his resume is both like shallow but impressive, um, in, in, in the way that it is like, I don't think any of us bore any ill will towards, you know, Luke, the man, I think it was just about the chef. I feel, I feel like, um, I feel like Luke got kind of a douche at it early on. And now I sort of oh. feel guilty okay. about that. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. fair. We, we, I mean, I didn't do it. I'm not the one who edited We're learning. it. But yeah, just like what a turnaround for a guy on the season and like. Yeah, I mean, for a person who's been eliminated from playoff competition, as we know um, from Last Chance Kitchen, uh, just too bad. What a nice guy. I was real. I, I wanted him, especially in that first challenge. I wanted this to be the day Luke found himself, and it kind of happened. And then he's still lost, and it was a real. Oh, he found himself yeah. too I mean, late. Like with speak, Top Chef, it is yeah. it is a marathon, not a late breaking sprint. So like you got to be, you got to have yeah. the body work. Top Chef is a lot more like RuPaul's Drag Race, and that like you really are looking at the, the 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 total of all the dishes he's cooked. Despite protestations uh, to the contrary, you know, I think body of work. Yes, certainly. Yes, they love to say that they're only paying attention to the food in front of them today, but they definitely. Yeah. I, I will say, it. I mean, like another rag against Bravo app. Um, we accidentally tuned into the live <laughs> TV button on Bravo uh, during the Top Chef. Or, and we saw that Luke was in LCK um, in advance of oh. seeing the episode. And so for everything in this episode, we we're like, oh, is that going to send Ashley home? No, nope, we know Luke goes home. And like, mm. is, you know, <laughs> and we're like, oh, Luke's doing so great, but he is the one to go home. And there was sort of like a, yeah. a satisfying surety to that where we we're like, OK, no matter what, <laughs> this is a great journey. And, you know, we don't have to be stressed about the suspense here um, that we know that we like it's Luke true. the guy. We know that he's learning. And, and what a, again, what a grace, graceful exit. But um, I think he was least among them uh for for whatever power rankings for you know just the body of work for everything that i'm i'm so excited about this group that we have you know remaining mm -hmm. in the show and that it was uh it felt like luke's time to go yeah to me you're so right and if i ahead of time if i was doing power rankings he would have been on the bottom i but i also just wanted him i wanted him to say like 
I was struggling with what my food is and what the judges' palates are, and I figured those out midway through the show, and now I'm peaking at the right time. Like, I was ready for that edit as well, and I'll, just for him personally, now I want that, and I, I hope he finds yeah, it. But it's not uh, adding not salt show, 18 but. minutes into a 20-minute challenge, so... Okay, all right. Let's let's keep ragging well, on wait, Luke. I, um, I want to talk about some good dishes too. We haven't no, talked we about, talk about the yeah, positive yeah. things. Yes. Uh, oh yeah. Like sorry. I thought this was really interesting for Jay because she's talked about how she I mean she did cook fish and that's like what she specializes in as she she was at La Bernadette, right? That that was where she came up through <laughs> and uh and Leah Chase as and well. And Leah Chase. Uh but like she specializes in French style cooking and i don't know if she's made too many like sort of korean dishes so like this challenge to cook from her soul pushed her to some to do something she hasn't done so far um and it was it was delicious i didn't i didn't see what yeah fascinated tom so much by it like it seemed like fish with kimchi and a sauce like that. It seemed pretty traditional, but Tom thought that this was groundbreaking Korean cuisine. Yeah, she seems like she's like a visionary almost. You know, it's like I almost so much so that I can't even. I don't understand what it is. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> I, I think I think the complexity is all in the kimchi and all, all in the, the pickle, the, the yeah. sour, the fermented nature yeah. of it. Um, I don't think the edit played uh, that tune as much, but clearly from all of the judges' responses, not just Tom, mm-hmm. you know, it was really the sourness and the acidity that she got in addition to that funky fermented flavor that, the that really, like, got that dish up to winning. Mm-hmm. And Damaris yeah. was also, that That was one that I was like, I love these, like, big old chunks of ham. Like, so, ma- so many, like, collards have, like, <laughs> little, di- like, you get collard with ham, and it's like, tiny chunks but this seemed like a really good ham dish with a ton of collards also in it you're a chunky ham boy i've i've never had (laughs) collards that have sufficiently impressed me but i've also never really had collards in the south and um yeah you know the fact that this was as high um of a dish in the rankings or or in the in the criticism while being so simple Mm -hmm. was really impressive to me he's He's the one, Chris, where I wish I had watched it your style where I knew Luke was going home because that uh, the cooking the hoe cakes on that, le- that little was tiny such a magic elves classic was, fake out. It was super like, magic elves, but it was also like he did wait, throw no, a lot of though, right? Yeah, like, we weren't so worried because of that. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. That's true. I was still stressed for him. The fact that it just turned out good after he had thrown away so much of his batter. Also, I really want hoe cakes now. I like pancakes. I'll take it with cornmeal. Sure. Go 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 go! Make some hoe cakes. Go do it, hoe cake. Go get your hoe cakes. <laughs> oh, you're reminding okay, me. Of my make childhood. your namesake. Um, <laughs> um, uh, I have a question. Okay, so the challenge, by the way, which we, we kind of skipped through the challenge, the Freemanstown challenge, cooking in this church with no ceiling, with no roof, um, it, at this block party, just seemed like a really powerful yes. challenge. A really, really yeah. cool day. Great challenge everybody. by the elves, both um, like to find a or like a more organic way of tying in this very good Houston challenge. Again, it, we're getting to it early, but this is going to be borderline Max Cowpokes for me. Yeah, and, Max Cowpokes this is the most. The mayor of Houston was there. You can't have more Cowpokes than that. This yeah. is, he's and the it, lead Cowpoke. This is a hundred percent history. Cowpokes. It's it's the sort of it's just a great challenge and great way to spotlight something about the city that very few uh, sort of like 
TV shows. Like I, I think this is like the the unique yep. opportunity Top Chef gets to have to tell you about a place, how it ties like tied into food and these people, and it it, it just was the 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 emotionally one of the best sort of challenges Top Chef can cook up. I know there's other people obviously watch it, the shows for different reasons. And I know people who really like Top Chef and are there for the drama or whatever. Um, but I am so interested in the the chef's food and the place. I like the, the fact that it travels each year. They make that such a highlight of the pitch of the show. I'm, I want to learn everything about the place. That's why we do the cowpoke scale on this show because we care about this place. And this was by far the most I've learned about Houston in the season um, we met locals. We went out into the scene. I know they've been kind of limited by COVID, but we were like out in Houston. We saw a place I didn't know. We talked about a piece of history that I didn't know. And um, everybody on the show seemed moved by it. And that's really, really totally. cool. And then to use that to have everyone do their best dishes of the year. I mean, this is when I feel like Top yeah, Chef is really good firing on cylinders. Agreed. Yeah. Um, I... I uh, just want to read a, oh, a couple of little things from people before we get a uh, pre-mail bag just while we're talking about it. Uh, Leprechaun says, between the history of Friedman's Town and Buddha's story about his dad, this was quite an emotional episode. Thankfully, I am super tough and did not tear up. You? <laughs> I think Leprechaun might be protesting mm-hmm. a bit much. Yeah, of course. Multiple mm-hmm. times. So many people's scenes were so yeah. sad. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, I like Leprechaun, I didn't feel anything. I had You're dry very tough. eyes, <laughs> uh, but it, it did it, the the Buddha stuff in particular, like the the specificity of it. Like I, I her, his story and Evelyn's uh, kind of emotion during Grand- grandma. It, yeah, seeing the grandmother, like the it it was a level of personal that I think uh, some chefs have been more guarded to share in the past, and they they were very very open in a in a way that i i found very earnest and honest well and especially the photos of buddha and his dad being so goofy together were so sweet and i should say it's not like a big accomplishment if you get me to tear up at a tv thing i've cried at corona commercials before like so this is not found their beach. Wait, i am what what I corona comer- like specifically what corona beer commercial made you tear up <laughs> Okay, I'll t- I've told this on the other podcast before, but I'll tell you the story really quick, because Kyle, I think you might appreciate this, but there's this, it's a very short Corona, Corona commercial where these friends are sitting there like anxiously together, and then their other friend walks up, and they look up at him, and he's like playing it really cool, and then he goes, I got the job, and then everyone like cheers for him, and I just have a lot of friends trying to like make it in very difficult industries, and the idea of being at a party where someone announces that they made yeah, it. Oh, like, that's sweet. I mean, I guess, but then you know that it's a Corona commercial and like seeing the fact that they're going to celebrate that with one of the worst beers imaginable like, makes me. S- Alex it- doesn't drink, so it doesn't matter. And yeah, I wouldn't drink beer. That's very that lime. <laughs> no, that, that's a good point. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I know. I know. So my point was that I am easily manipulated, that I, I'll, I'm i here to fall for I mean, it, whatever I it is. I cheer up I'm at a Fast and Furious movie. That's basically a Corona commercial. So I'm with you. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's like if if Corona Light was all Corona was also sponsored by the U.S. military. Yeah, and Hemis, um, Hemis and Hemis. <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, anyway. I, so I tear up a lot, but I did think the one with Buddha and his dad was just that was intense. But 
Um, also, uh, oh, we also wanted to, I want to throw in Indebted Dragons um, was obsessed with Kwame's gold glove and his yeah. general. And style. him hanging so out it's fun that with we get his to see friend, uh, Kendrick uh, Samson, isn't that? Uh, yeah, Kendrick yeah, Samson wh- from Insecure, who he is legit friends with uh, because uh, yeah. I, there's some gossip connecting him to one of uh, Samson's Insecure co-stars uh, that is not oh. confirmed. Okay. Oh. All right. All right. Oh, wow. This is a part of the show we normally uh, don't get but into. It was, it was just very funny to me because we have heard this through uh, a podcast, Who Weekly, that we are big fans of. And just Ooh, seeing him. Tanya like, listens to that. Uh, yeah. yeah. Seeing him dap up Kendrick Sampson and being like, oh, they are legit friends. They have history. And this is not like a chef talking to a celebrity. Wow. Oh, that's fun. Um. Yeah, uh, it was it was great. I also like because we had him with his um, pastoral scene shirt in a previous episode. So we get to see when somebody has a style that is that distinct. I like getting to see multiple instances to see, like, does he have more than one glove? You know, does he have other gloves? Is he a glove guy? No, this is just the one glove, but it's part of this overall yeah. picture. I mean, a glove like that, you only need one, you know? <laughs> you know what, it's yeah. a lot of glove. All right. Um, now we have to move on to Last Chance Kitchen. Um, the blind tasting famous Top Chef challenge has been demoted to the web series. Oh, I, I know. Caleb yeah, which is, was saying that he wishes it was, I think, the full thing. Yeah. Of course. I love the blind tasting. I am glad that Jackson oh, was not I wish involved. he had been. I really wish he had been. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you want to see somebody do badly, at least we have Luke, um, who was like partially not very good at this and also was just stressed. Yeah. And so was just well, passing a lot to not have to think. Yeah, he was like, I, I yeah. didn't, you said blind taste test. I, I, I didn't know it was a blind smell <laughs> test. smell test. Can I touch it? Uh, the, only, <laughs> the only twist this time is that they're all herbs and spices and that you only get to use the spices that you correctly identify, which is as mild of a top I mean, chef challenge. Was Luke going to use that this many is, spices anyway? Right, and uh, a lot of the spices seem like not that important. Like, are you gonna? How bad is your dish gonna be if you're if you're forbidden from using juniper berries? Right, like, but I the think fact that manage. you can only use the most obvious spices, and like the one of the ones you get is like cinnamon, which has no place in Luke's cuisine. And basically means yeah. he's down to like four. Right. It's you know, yeah, that was his, yeah. Neither of them were excited about cinnamon, which is the one that you'll always get. Yeah, right. yeah, they could have given the winner of the taste test, you know, some sort of advantage. A spice rack, extra time or something, <laughs> or yeah, or you yeah, you get five minutes where the other while the other person has to cook Ooh, blindfolded. Or you have to force your know. least favorite spice on them, and they have to do it. Oh yeah, any any spice that you correctly identify, you can require in the mm-hmm. opponent's dish. So the other dish is all cinnamon <laughs> and juniper berries. Wow. Um. Yeah, it's fine. I just I miss the whole big version. I, if if they do the Mies relay in Last Chance Kitchen now, I'm going to be pretty it. bummed. I don't. I don't think There's we're gonna only, get. You can't. There's only two people. <laughs> yeah, you can't and have a relay. <laughs> I guess you're right. I've been there for like an hour and a half. Yeah, get the peanut gallery to help. Uh, anyway, um, so after that, oh, Sarah destroys Luke in the tasting, getting ten to his five, which um, really helps her relationship <laughs> with Tom, but doesn't really do much to affect the playing field. So she decides to even the competition on her own. By adding hot pickling liquid to her fresh pesto, thereby <laughs> destroying everything in it, and immediately realizing turns that out she a blender can be a food um, ruiner too. It, <laughs> there are. It turns out actually, if you look around the kitchen, there's a lot of food ruiners in there. It's really 
up to your imagination of how to ruin food. Um, Luke makes a roasted cauliflower dish and Sarah makes roasted carrot dish. And that sounds pretty similar. And so then because she's ruined her pesto, he breaks his sauce on purpose. So we're still pretty tied. But then Luke decides to finally salt a dish for the first time in his time on Top Chef. And he does it too late and way too much. And Sarah notches her sixth straight win in LCK and is one win away from returning, which is this classic point in Last Chance Kitchen that we've had with other chefs before, where it turns out winning all those challenges doesn't really matter because you're about to face somebody that's extremely good in a one-game yep. playoff. And in 15 minutes, yep, you're either she, I think the, the benefit of being there for so long is she's definitely friends with Tom. Tom is charmed by her. So, like... Yep. Even though she's yep. going to be going up against like a very good chef, uh, she does have the one trump card of Tom has spent this time with her and sees a little bit of himself, maybe. She, she has the most yeah. Tom that, face time. That and yeah. LCK experience, because I think it's very easy mm-hmm. to go deer in the headlights when you have that kind of time pressure and that, mm-hmm. that kind of off the wall challenge type of thing. And so, I mean, like it is, we've, we've said this before and it hasn't mattered before, but I think being used to the format and this not being her first rep at it is an advantage. She definitely has some home field advantage going into that final game. The one thing I was wondering from watching this was like, we don't really have a good sense of how she would have done had she stayed in the competition because LCK is difficult, but it's just such a different game that we know how well she is at making two plates, but how would she have done at making 110 I yesterday? She, she exited the competition. What was it? Like she was the third chef eliminated or something like that, right? It was a while ago because she was so far, she, she was in the first half LCK yeah. and didn't come back, but then has run the table on second yeah, LCK. I, I guess like I, for me, there's enough tape uh, on her uh, to use sort of a sports analogy where I'm not very confident that you know this was a misfire on eliminating her too early uh, i think that she was eliminated at about the right time yeah but yeah, maybe that's, that's the fair. easy I mean, answer i don't mean to, to appeal to authority too much. if she gets thrown back in with six other chefs how it, how it works but um <laughs> either way that ship has sailed and she's sinking on it man she's quotable she is like one of the most quotable chefs on top chef history she's up there with uh what is this last uh, well, this isn't top scallop. Uh, is it Fabio? Uh, yeah, Fabio. No, it's it's yeah. so good, and I'm glad we get. Uh, I'm glad she gets enough like exposure to like you know have mm-hmm. someone have a sense of who she is basically, and and I think that's a real fun. That, that, yeah. that's what it's about. I think like you want us to you want to stick around long enough for to for us to either like you or like your food. Hopefully both. I mean, she has. We've mentioned this before. She has str- such strong Seymour energy that I really want to see her and Seymour do a web series together now. <laughs> I would love her to guest on my shitty kitchen. Um, Seymour's like Instagram show she did for a little while. I think they would just be well, amazing Sarah, together. Or they're too similar. The they would kitchen based on how filthy her station is <laughs> in just twenty minutes. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, she trashes Seymour's shitty little Seymour's kitchen. Like, Jesus, I haven't seen that's her, funny that show, but I just imagine Stephanie like reacting to the whirlwind of Sarah. <laughs> I yeah maybe maybe you don't need two people with that same sense of humor maybe it'd be a little too much but I I like them both so much um, all right let's jump into our final bit for the day it's time to hear from you in this week's do the ding 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 dong song. 
This time for the mailbag. You can get in touch with us by sending us email, mailbag at packyourmics.com. And we really appreciate everybody who writes into the show. This week, I'm going to start off. Man, we got Allies and Allisons all over the place this week. I'm going to start with Allie. Oh, this is a great, oh, this is a great email. Okay. Um, great episode. All the chef stories are made me emotional, and I love the guest judge. Something that I keep noticing this season is when they walk through the Houston doors to judge's table, whenever Jackson went first, he would swing both doors open so dramatically and and burst through. And the problem was the doors would close really fast, so the third or fourth person would have to quickly grab uh. the doors to avoid getting hit. In one episode in particular, it looked like Ashley was close to getting full on board. <laughs> um, with Jackson gone, this episode seemed to be a lot less danger in the door opening. Have you guys noticed this? Did you notice the high risk door procedure that was no, happening? No, did I didn't, but I love hearing. I'm going to rewatch the season now. Yeah, me just yeah. for door. I love it. Door gate. Yeah, this is reframing the whole thing. I like the sure. dramatic entrance generally, so I do appreciate that. But I don't like. Oh yeah! When, every time you get a chance in person to open double doors yourself, and just just the the feeling of throwing them open to, and to I experience the, thing, the day. Yeah, whenever well, I mean, whenever we have double doors like that, I try to like make sure I time with the person who's next to me, and then open it together in for the person who's coming in after us, which is a good feeling for them. Oh, cool! Yeah. Oh, yeah. That feels very like Secret Service helping you through. Um. I really appreciate that, Allie. That's a great observation. Thanks for the uh, keeping up the great podcast. It's always such a comfort. Uh, thank you. Okay. Um, we'll keep an eye out for swinging doors now that it's safe. Um, oh, we had a couple of responses to last week's episode um, that I wanted to read. Um, first up, Hannah says, Caleb is 100% the cutest new panelist, and I adored his input. Aww. So, and that was a vote for, we'll tell, for we'll Caleb. Tell him yeah. back. Also... Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell him that he was the cutest new panelist. Um, also, Al- Allison said, um, in regards to last week's Top Chef episode, Matriarch is such a lovely restaurant name. Matriarch, no H, is insane, and I reject it immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll say again, I think the domain name is probably more available, but yeah, that is a just, just like just intentionally misspelling it for okay, no reason. To be fair, just a really- I don't love it when CHs make a cuh. Right, like it. What are you talking about, S? That's true. You know, like it, like. Are you thinking of anybody in particular? When you say that? <laughs> no, 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 no reason. No, no. Only if it comes okay. at the end of a word. Yeah, obviously. yeah, yeah. It's a finishing. <laughs> yes. You yeah, can yeah, do yeah. everyone. It's, if you if you want to smash great opening three, word, close end three of a word. Three all together. I don't care. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> uh, but no, at the end though, it should you know, chuzz or nothing. Right. Matriarch is what you'd want to call it. Also, Allison says, Houstonian reporting. Padma dropped so much MasterCard SpawnCon verbiage that at least it made me feel better about not being invited to judge on Restaurant Wars because we are Chase Visa vis- <laughs> oh. Like the city of Houston? That's the only reason. This, yeah. I, I, I do. I, I just want to say, once again, Padma is just a seamless SpawnCon deliverable. Uh, she, or deliverer. Yep. She's, uh, mm-hmm. she's the best to ever do it. It's great. She does it, although it does, maybe this is yeah, right. She, maybe she is happier when oh, she's yeah, happy. Of course, to, she, she does it really, yeah, really well. But you know, she's a professional. Do you think the cranberry Drano um, also helps, like, to cleanse like the 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 corporate like you know like ugliness out of you as well? Oh, maybe she does. She has to do a yeah. She has to do a a, a cranberry <laughs> pipe cleanse afterwards to get all of the grossness of having made all that, that money in thinking. this way. Yeah, that's a good idea. And then lastly, Matthew writes in this week 
to ask, can Jay win? I have really enjoyed Jay as a character this season, and her, and her mix of Korean and New Orleans cooking looks very tasty. However, no Top Chef contestant has who, who finished in the bottom three on the first elimination challenge has ever won Top Chef. The closest recent contestant who nearly accomplished this feat was Adrian in Top Chef Colorado. Mm. Do you think Jay could win this season? First of all, Matthew, I just want to say, I my favorite use of statistics is to find really weird correlations and be like, wow, no no team that wore their hats with a blue stripe have ever won on Tuesday. I love that. That's a good so already I like yeah, what you're sure. doing. I mean sort of knife knife blocker metrics there. Uh <laughs> exactly. No, it's exactly. Metrics. It's same yeah, thing. it is, it is. I just wanted <laughs> to say yeah, it's just it's yeah. on a it's on yeah, a champagne yeah. bottle that you're well, savoring. And can Jay uh, win? I I mean, clearly, I think it's it's silly to say that because she was in the bottom three uh, on the first elimination challenge that you know she can't win. She's obviously cooking at a very high level and and just won the latest elimination challenge, the best of an amazing elimination challenge. Mm-hmm. But talking about like sort of the uh, broadness of what we've seen from Jay, uh, she hasn't, in my mind, executed so evenly well across a lot of stuff yeah. now no. maybe she's peaking at the right time maybe mm-hmm. she's discovering her own cuisine like we there are all these kinds of narratives that happen on top chef that where she could get to the finals and anybody has a decent shot once you're in the finals but uh i'm gonna put it at less than 50 percent making it to the finals for jay i i i agree with you i don't think it's because of her not doing well in the first challenge although maybe that is an indication that she's going to mm-hmm. be up and down she has she's been a little variant. bit uneven but my reasoning is mm-hmm. high variance like high yeah, highs exactly. but also like yeah with the the Jurassic World challenge like she did the classic cook three things chaotically instead of one thing yep. really well so yep. it's I, I think she it, it's not out I wouldn't be upset and I wouldn't be like gobsmacked if she won but uh, I, I think it's it's less likely just based on the the even nature of so many of the other remaining chef testaments. I would be a little surprised if she won, not because her food doesn't seem like it could definitely do it, but just from a storytelling point of view, it just feels like if that's true, they've really undersold her story throughout this season. We've just not seen as much of her as we've seen of other people. I definitely feel, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not astute enough observer of reality storytelling to know this for sure, but my, my gut says we were getting a lot of Jackson story and we mm-hmm. know why. We got a lot of Luke story, and now we've seen why. We got a lot of Buddha story, and it seems like that's leading towards something else. So unless Buddha has something really interesting that justifies all of the story before now, I feel like Buddha's the most likely to mm. just from how much screen time he's gotten and how much they've talked, like the way they've shown him and what they've told us about him. Um, and I think Damara and Evelyn are the two best chefs, and so they are my other two for the yeah. final three. But... Anyway, again, that's not about food. That's just and about also, edit we, this we can't far. Forget, they've just... shown a lot of Sarah's story, too. Like, we've, because she's been in so many episodes of LCK, like, she's been a protagonist of the spinoff of the season. And I don't think it's impossible <laughs> that Sarah true. could come back and stick around. I could, I could see her coming back and sticking around. I would be shocked if she won. Yeah. I mean, I really just, I, I'm feeling Evelyn Buddha. And Demar, so and then Buddha winning yeah. from my lot. That's my prediction based on what I how I feel the mm-hmm. the show is going, not based on food. Although I mean, I do think Buddha's food seems like it has the potential to be the most judge friendly yes. food, where it's got a lot of soul and story, but also this incredible, beautiful, high technical presentation. Um, whereas Sarah seems like she's most likely to make you a tasty dish in twenty minutes. 
I don't see her as being the one who's most likely to make you a five course tasting menu that blows the yeah. doors off the place. I, I think um, it's Evelyn still for what's yeah, worth. Yeah. Uh, I think Evelyn is like, we, we yeah. have a, like she's fo- a lot of focus. And I feel like it's the right mix of, um, yeah, of like personal stuff and, and, and chefy stuff. I, I know. Definitely. That's my second pick from story version. I think she's, she is my second most likely to, to yeah. win. I think that's really, and, and Buddha's story could definitely be leading to choking in the finals. That's definitely would be a consistent arc as yeah. well. Um, or not even choking, but doing well, but then getting beaten by Evelyn and doing better. Um, very, I mean, very yeah, my, my instant reaction to what you were saying is like, I agree with everything you're saying, Alex, about Buddha from a logic perspective. My brain is just going, no, because Evelyn, you know, because she's just yeah. a monster yeah. and, and creates amazing food in yeah. such a great variety of contexts and everything she touches is good. You know, it seems like that. Like, and the judges seem hard to argue. Similarly impressed by Evelyn's food. It's not just like she they don't see yes. her as like yeah. cooking yeah. one thing. Uh, they they see a lot in how they, they get a lot from her food. It's not just like oh, it's so heartfelt. It's also like a level of craft and attention to detail in what she makes. Yeah, she, Evelyn has the thing that I think is it is an early warning sign for Top Chef winners, which is where you make a simple soup and they can't stop talking about it. Winning with a soup is like a classic top chef. This chef is like working on another level that we can't realize. Whereas like stuff that looks like Buddha's food when it's really, really good, obviously they're impressed. But the way they talk about like this is your you did this with black bean soup in 20 minutes is just unbelievable. And she's the same thing she has with her curries. And and it's such an interesting cuisine that she's working towards that it feels very much like her. Her final menu is going to be so interesting. Yeah. So I guess I guess it feels like we're not we would all be a little bit surprised if Jay won. Not that she doesn't deserve it, but yeah. that it just doesn't feel I think like it's she could. It's just not likely. They have to set that up, I think, yeah. a little stronger in the next couple episodes if that's where we're going with it. Yeah, very true. So here's the less fun question, but do you guys have a feel for who you think is most likely to mess up next uh-huh. week? I, did, I didn't pay close attention to the Prevon they or the next or, or coming they seem up to be on pointing at Nick and Damar having a bad week. Uh, that's what the edit uh, or like. The, the so we know they're safe. Well, who knows? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I just I, anything that the magical elves tell me in a, in a preview, I assume yeah, is a lie. It's all they're lies. so good yeah. at that. But it's it's Yeah, that that would be that's going to be a real yeah. sad episode. Yeah. I think it might be Ashley's. I do feel I like know. Nick. Yeah, I could. I definitely feel like it could be Ashley, and you know it's hard to feel as bad when somebody's eliminated a second time. Even though she's come back and really done an amazing job, she's acquitted herself so well. But then, as soon as she stumbles a little bit this week, I'm like, well, she has been eliminated before, so I can handle that emotionally. Uh, Nick is another one where I feel like his cuisine's amazing, but he's just not gotten nearly yeah, enough screen time that. for a person who's this deep totally. in the show. We need more. Yeah, when he's allowed to do his yeah. food, it sings. It's wonderful. Uh, he's certainly yeah. flubbed a little bit on some of the other types of challenges. So, yeah, he feels like he's got some vari- variants, and I just know so little about his family that I feel <laughs> like he could be a soon yeah, could be. person. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I also feel like we have not got as much Demar as we should have um, for him being this late in the run, but. He's won several things. And they also and so had this sort of thing where I, I wonder if it's just this week or that Pabna f- felt the urge to like play, like 
engage with Demar more and joke around so that like to try and coax some personality out of him because they think he's going to be around for a while. Like, I don't know if that there's any thought of that of like, you know, engage Demar more. He's not talking for himself. <laughs> yeah, very possible. That's interesting. Well, these are our predictions and we're kind of, we've folded into the b- uh, bold predictions here at the end um, because we've already handled cow pokes. We've talked a lot about cow pokes. I think everybody agrees. Full posse. Full posse. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're getting Black um, Bart and yep. bringing them home for justice. <laughs> when, that, when, when, the, when the train from Yuma rolls in, they'll be ready. Um, yeah, so so that's our predictions. That's our thoughts going into next week. Um, I'm going to give a bold prediction. We, I think Sarah's going to travel to a second lo- location with Top Chef. I, I, Ooh. I don't just think she's coming out of LCK. I think she is going to wherever the alternate location is. Ooh, interesting. Um, do we know? Do, have we heard? Has there been an announcement about the I don't remember, second I don't location yet? It. Mm-mm. No, they've no. been keeping a lid on it, I think. Uh, although, you know, maybe on blogs. I don't know. Yeah, the only thing that I've, the only like intel I've noticed. Um, so next, oh, next week's Zero yeah. Gravity. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. That's exciting. Um, they're going back to Houston Space Center, which I love. Uh, and for a, not the first space challenge, I remember that. I don't need to be reminded of that memory keeper. But um, I'm very excited to see. Um, what they cook the, the the one before was like you had to cook something that could go into space yeah, right? freeze dried or or otherwise like sort of stable yeah, yeah, yeah. in a pouch um, Yuck. i don't know if they're gonna do that again it just seems like no this did not seem like you it. know they've had yeah. some weird spawn con though where like i think what was it one year the 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 airline it was delta or something mm-hmm. that was doing oh, the, yeah, the yeah. trip to the second location they had an airplane food challenge and just anything with those types of really type tight constraints there's a high variance where a talented chef Right, especially go, when you're CJ and you're six well, foot yeah. twelve. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, like we could have Demar go home, you mm-hmm. know, and I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. So, well, the other thing, the only thing I know about the future, which I and I don't want to get too into like sneaky intel and trying to spoil things. But the only thing I do know is that the, they have announced the titles of some upcoming episodes. So next week is Dinner in Zero Gravity. Then we have something called Family Vacation, and then episode twelve is called We're on a Boat. Okay, are we on a cruise again? So that does. Yikes. That does sound like maybe related to mm-hmm. a cruise or a second yeah. location. Although also there's just plenty of like, it could just be like a, you go mm-hmm. into the. Could the be fishing or the, could be getting the, fresh fish. You could just could be fishing. Yeah. Tom loves to go get fresh fish, but anyway, there will be a boat involved. Maybe in they can have another uh, so pontoon boat through. party. challenge. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Pontoon boat with no power for one of the teams overnight. Oh man, I'm anyway. I'm so excited to talk about space stuff next week, though. I, I can't wait. I have been to the um, the Johnson Space Center in Houston, and I like it a lot. And there's some really cool stuff. I'm very excited to talk about. Nice it, so. coming up next week. All right, uh, I think that's going to be it. If you have thoughts, if you want to email us your bold predictions, as always, we love to hear about it. Mailbag at packyourmics.com, and we'd love to hear. I would especially like to hear your thoughts on storytelling this year, and if you have any predictions based on that. But also, who you're emotionally ready to let go is totally fair. Um, and uh, I think that just leaves us to. Um, yeah, Chris, I'm going to have oh, to buddy. ask you to, to um, we've been through so much. Look, together. I know, and I really appreciate all you've done and I welcome hmm. to the party, but also leave the party. Ah. Also, we're changing your name to Tris. <laughs> <laughs> or you can spell with a K. Those are your uh, two options. None of the CH is a sound. Nonsense. We're done. with. Yeah, it. I think the paperwork's too hard if I uh, if I change the spelling. So I guess Tris here signing out. Tris it is. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> well, don't worry, because you can come back next episode. It's one on away last chance tradition. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us, everybody. And thank you so much for joining us. New oh, Sarah of course, it's great to be here. And Chris, always great to talk to you. you. Tris. And as and Sarah, thanks and for doing sense. it. Yep. Megan will also be back next week, and we look forward to talking to you all then. Goodbye. Bye.